the continuation of the reading of the historical collections and accounts of revival on the Great Awakening by John Gillies. Section 2 of the, remark of the remarkable revival at Northampton in 1734 and so on, which began with such things as Sabbath, sanctification, religious meetings among the young people, and the preaching of justification by faith alone. The concern appears in other towns and villages of Hampshire and several towns in Connecticut. The next revival that followed that in Freehold was the remarkable one in Northampton, 1734 and so on, which we shall relate from the following passages of Jonathan Edwards' narrative of surprising conversions in Thomas Prince's Christian history. Just after my grandfather's death, that would be Solomon Stoddard, it seemed to be a time of extraordinary dullness in religion. Licentiousness for some years greatly prevailed among the youth of the town. They were many of them very much addicted to night walking and frequenting the tavern and lewd practices, wherein some by their example exceedingly corrupted others. It was their manner very frequently to get together in conventions of both sexes for mirth and jollity, which they called frolics and they would often spend the greater part of the night in them without regard to any order in the families they belonged to, and indeed family government did too much fail in the town. It was become very customary with many of our young people to be indecent in their carriage at meeting, which doubtless would not have prevailed to such a degree had it not been that my grandfather, through his great age, though he retained his power surprisingly to the last, was not so able to observe them. There had also long prevailed in the town a spirit of contention between two parties into which they had for many years been divided, by which was maintained a jealousy one of the other, and they were prepared to oppose one another in all public affairs. But in two or three years, after Mr. Stoddard's death, there began to be a sensible amendment of these evils. The young people showed more of a deposition to hearken to counsel and by degrees left off their frolicking, and grew observably more decent in their attendance on the public worship. And there were more that manifested a religious concern than there used to be. At the latter end of the year 1733, there appeared a very unusual flexibleness in yielding to advice in our young people. It had been too long their manner to make the morning after the Sabbath, and make other public lectures to be especially the times of their mirth and company-keeping, but a sermon was now preached on the Sabbath before the lecture to show the evil tendency of the practice and to persuade to reform it, and it was urged on heads of families that it should be a thing agreed upon among them to govern their families and keep their children at home at these times. And withal it was more privately moved that they should meet together the next day in their several neighborhoods to know each other's minds, which was accordingly done, and the motion complied with throughout the town." but parents found little or no occasion for the exercise of government in the case. Young people declared themselves convinced by what they had heard from the pulpit, and were willing of themselves to comply with the counsel that had been given, and it was immediately, and I suppose almost universally, complied with. And there was a thorough reformation of these disorders thenceforward, which has continued ever since. Presently after this, there began to appear a remarkable religious concern at a little village belonging to the congregation called Paskumak, where a few families were settled, at about three miles' distance from the main body of the town. At this place a number of persons seemed to be savingly wrought upon. 
In the April following the year 1734, there happened a very sudden and awful death of a young man, in the bloom of his youth, who, being violently seized with pleurisy and taken immediately very delirious, died in about two days, which, together with what was preached publicly on that occasion, much affected many young people. This was followed with another death of a young married woman, who had been considerably exercised in mind about the salvation of her soul, before she was ill, and was in great distress in the beginning of her illness, but seemed to have satisfying evidences of God's saving mercy to her before her death, so that she died very full of comfort, in a most earnest and moving manner, warning and counseling others. This seemed much to contribute to the solemnizing of the spirits of many young persons, and there began evidently to appear more of a religious concern on people's minds. In the fall of the year, I proposed it to the young people that they should agree among themselves to spend the evenings after lectures in social religion, and to that end divided themselves into several companies to meet in various parts of the town, which was accordingly done, and those meetings have been since continued in the example imitated by elder people. This was followed with the death of an elderly person, which was attended by many unusual circumstances, by which many were moved and affected. About this time many who looked on themselves as in a Christless condition seemed to be awakened with fear that God was about to withdraw from the land and that we should be given up to heterodoxy and corrupt principles and that then their opportunity for obtaining salvation would be past. And many who were brought a little to doubt about the truth of the doctrines that had hitherto been taught seemed to have a kind of trembling fear with their doubts lest they should be led into bypaths to their eternal undoing. And they seemed with much concern and engagedness of mind to inquire what was indeed the way in which they must come to be accepted with God. There were then some things said publicly on that occasion concerning justification by faith alone. Although great fault was found with meddling with the controversy in the pulpit by such a person, and at that time, and though it was ridiculed by many elsewhere, yet it proved a word spoken in season here, and was most evidently attended with a very remarkable blessing of heaven to the souls of the people in this town. They received thence a general satisfaction with respect to the main thing in question, which they had been in trembling doubts and concern about, and their minds were engaged the more earnestly to seek that they might come to be accepted of God, and saved in the way of the gospel." which had been made evident to them to be the true and only way. And then it was, in the latter part of December, that the Spirit of God began extraordinarily to set in and wonderfully to work amongst us. And there were, very suddenly, one after another, five or six persons who were to all appearances savingly converted, and some of them wrought upon in a very remarkable manner. Particularly, I was surprised with the relation of a young woman, who had been one of the greatest company keepers in the whole town. When she came to me, I had never heard that she was become in any wise serious, but by the conversation I then had with her, it appeared to me that what she gave an account of was a glorious work of God's infinite power and sovereign grace, and that God had given her a new heart, truly broken and sanctified. I could not then doubt of it, and have seen much in acquaintance with her since to confirm it. Though the work was glorious, yet it was filled with concern about the effect it might have upon others. I was ready to conclude, though too rashly, that some would be hardened by it, in carelessness and looseness of life, and would take occasion from it to open their mouths in reproach of religion. 
but the event was a reverse to a wonderful degree. God made it, I suppose, the greatest occasion of awakening to others of anything that ever came to pass in the town. I have had abundant opportunity to know the effect it had by my private conversation with many. The news of it seemed to be almost like a flash of lightning upon the hearts of young people all over the town and upon many others. Those persons amongst us who used to be furthest from seriousness and that I most feared would make an ill improvement of it seemed greatly to be awakened with it. Many went to talk with her concerning what she had met with and what appeared in her seemed to be the satisfaction of all that did so. Presently upon this, a great and earnest concern about the great things of religion in the eternal world became universal in all parts of the town and among persons of all ages. The noise among the dry bones waxed louder and louder. All other talk but about spiritual and eternal things was soon thrown by. All the conversation in all companies and upon all occasions was upon these things only, unless so much as was necessary for the people carrying on their secular business. Other discourse than of things of religion would scarcely be tolerated in any company. The minds of people were wonderfully taken off from the world. It was treated amongst us as a thing of very little consequence. They seemed to follow their worldly business more as a part of their duty than from any disposition they had to it. The temptation now seemed to lie on that hand to neglect worldly affairs too much and to spend too much time in the immediate exercise of religion, which thing was exceedingly misrepresented by reports that were spread in distant parts of the land, as though the people here had wholly thrown all worldly business and betook themselves entirely to reading and praying and such like religious exercises. But although people did not ordinarily neglect their worldly business, Yet there was then the reverse of what commonly is. Religion was with all sorts the great concern, and the world was a thing only by the by. The only thing in their view was to get the kingdom of heaven, and every one appeared pressing into it. The engagedness of their hearts and their great concern could not be hid. It appeared in their very countenances. It then was a dreadful thing amongst us to lie out of Christ in danger every day of dropping into hell. And what persons' minds were intent upon was to escape for their lives and to fly from the wrath to come. All would eagerly lay hold of opportunities for their souls, and were wanting very often to meet together in private houses for religious purposes. And such meetings, when appointed, were wont greatly to be thronged. There was scarcely a single person in the town, either old or young, that was left unconcerned about the great things of the eternal world those that were wont to be the vainest and loosest, and those that had been most disposed to think and speak slightly of vital and experimental religion, were now generally subject to great awakenings. And the work of conversion was carried on in a most astonishing manner, and increased more and more. Souls did, as it were, come by flocks to Jesus Christ. From day to day, for many months together, might be seen evident instances of sinners brought out of darkness into marvelous light and delivered out of an horrible pit and from the miry clay and set upon a rock with a new song of praise to God in their mouths. This work of God, as it was carried on, and a number of true saints multiplied, soon made a gracious alteration in the town, so that in the spring and summer following, in the year 1735, the town seemed to be full of the presence of God, it never was so full of love, nor so full of joy, and yet so full of distress as it was then. There were remarkable tokens of God's presence in almost every house. 
It was a time of joy in families on account of salvations being brought unto them, parents rejoicing over their children as newborn, and husbands over their wives, and wives over their husbands. The goings of God were then seen in his sanctuary. God's day was a delight, and his tabernacles were amiable. Our public assemblies were then beautiful. The congregation was alive in God's service, everyone earnestly intent on the public worship, every hearer eager to drink in the words of the minister as they came from his mouth. The assembly in general were from time to time in tears while the word was preached, some weeping with sorrow and distress, others with joy and love, others with piety and concern for the souls of their neighbors. Our public praises were then greatly enlivened. God was then served in our psalmody in some measure in the beauty of holiness. It has been observable that there has been scarce any part of divine worship wherein good men amongst us have had grace so drawn forth, and their hearts so lifted up in the ways of God as in singing his praises. Our congregation excelled all that ever I knew in the external part of the duty before. But now they were evidently wont to sing with unusual elevation of heart and voice which made the duty pleasant indeed. In all companies on other days, on whatever occasions persons met together, Christ was to be heard of and seen in the midst of them. Our young people, when they met, were wont to spend the time in talking of the excellency and dying love of Jesus Christ, the gloriousness of the way of salvation, the wonderful, free, and sovereign grace of God, his glorious work in the conversion of a soul, the truth and certainty of the great things of God's word, the sweetness of the views of his perfections, and so on. And even at weddings, which formerly were merely occasions of mirth and jollity, there was now no discourse of anything but the things of religion and no appearance of any but spiritual mirth. Those among us that had been formerly converted were greatly enlivened and renewed with fresh and extraordinary incomes of the Spirit of God, though some much more than others according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Many that before had labored under difficulties about their own state had now their doubts removed by more satisfying experience and more clear discoveries of God's love. When the work first appeared and was so extraordinarily carried on amongst us, in the winter, others around about us seemed not to know what to make of it, and there were many that scoffed at and ridiculed it, and some compared what we called conversion to certain distempers. But it was very observable of many that occasionally came amongst us from abroad with disregardful hearts, that what they saw here cured them of such a temper of mind. Strangers were generally surprised to find things so much beyond what they had heard, and were wont to tell others that the state of the town could not be conceived of by those that had not seen it. The notice that was taken of it by the people that came to town on occasion of the court that sat here in the beginning of March was very observable. And those that came from the neighborhood to our public lectures were for the most part remarkably affected. Many that came to town on one occasion or other had their consciences smitten and awakened and went home with wounded hearts and with those impressions that never wore off until they had hopefully a saving issue. And those that before had serious thoughts had their awakenings and convictions greatly increased. And there were many instances of persons that came from abroad on visits or on business that had not been long here before to all appearance they were savingly wrought upon and partook of that shower of divine blessing that God rained down here and went home rejoicing until at length the same work began evidently to appear and prevail in several other towns in the country. In the month of March the people in South Hadley began to be seized 
with deep concern about the things of religion, which very soon became universal. And the work of God has been very wonderful there, not much, if anything, short of what it has been here in proportion to the largeness of the place. About the same time it began to break forth in the west part of Suffield, where it had also been very great, and it soon spread into all parts of the town. It next appeared at Sunderland, and soon overspread the town, and I believe was, for a season, not less remarkable than it was here. About the same time it began to appear in a part of Deerfield called Green River, and afterwards filled the town, and there had been a glorious work there. It began also to be manifest in the south part of Hatfield in a place called The Hill, and after that the whole town in the second week of April seemed to be seized, as it were at once with concern about the things of religion, and the work of God has been great there. There has been also a very general awakening at West Springfield in Long Meadow, and in Enfield there was for a time no small concern amongst some that before had been very loose persons. About the same time that this appeared at Enfield, Mr. Bull of Westfield informed me that there had been a great alteration there, and that more had been done in one week than in seven years before. Something of this work likewise appeared in the first precinct in Springfield, principally in the north and south extremes of the parish, and in Hadley, Old Town, there gradually appeared so much of a work of God on souls, as at another time would have been thought worthy of much notice. For a short time there was also a very great and general concern of the like nature at Northfield. And wherever this concern appeared, it seemed not to be in vain, but in every place God brought saving blessings with him, and his word attended with the Spirit, as we have all reason to think, return not void. It might well be said at that time in all parts of the county, Who are these that fly as a cloud and as doves to their windows? As what other towns heard of and found in this was a great means of awakening them, so our hearing of such a swift and extraordinary propagation and extent of this work did doubtless for a time serve to uphold the work amongst us. The continual news kept alive the talk of religion, and did greatly quicken and rejoice the hearts of God's people, and much awakened those that looked on themselves as still left behind, and made them the more earnest that they also might share in the great blessing that others had obtained. This remarkable pouring out of the Spirit of God, which thus extended from one end to the other of this country, was not confined to it, but many places in Connecticut have partook in the same mercy, as for instance the first parish in Windsor, under the pastoral care of Mr. Marsh, was thus blessed about the same time. As we in Northampton, while we had no knowledge of each other's circumstances, there has been a very great ingathering of souls to Christ in that place. And something considerable of the same work began afterwards in East Windsor, my honored father's parish, which was in times past been a place favored with mercies of this nature above most, there having been four or five seasons of the pouring out of the Spirit to the general awakening of the people there since my father's settlement amongst them. There was also the last spring and summer a wonderful work of God carried on at Coventry under the ministry of Mr. Meckham. I had an opportunity to converse with some of Coventry people, who gave me a very remarkable account of the surprising change that appeared in the most rude and vicious persons there. The like was also very great at the same time in a part of Lebanon called the Crank, where Mr. Wheelock, a young gentleman, is lately settled. And there has been much of the same at Durham under the ministry of Mr. Chauncey, and to appearance no small in gathering of souls there. 
And likewise, amongst many of the young people in the first precinct in Stratford, under the ministry of Mr. Gold, where the work was much promoted by the remarkable conversion of a young woman that had been a great company keeper as it was here. Something of this work appeared in several other towns in those parts, as I was informed when I was there the last fall. And we have since been acquainted with something very remarkable of this nature at another parish in Stratford called Ripton, under the pastoral care of Mr. Mills. And there was a considerable revival of religion last summer at New Haven, Old Town, as I was once and again informed by Mr. Noyes, the minister there, and by others, and by a letter which I very lately received from Mr. Noyes, and also by information we have had otherwise. This flourishing of religion still continues, and is lately much increased. Mr. Noyes writes that many this summer have been added to the church, and particularly mentions several young persons that belong to the principal families of that town. There has been a degree of the same work at a part of Guilford, and very considerable at Mansfield under the ministry of Mr. Eliezer Williams, and an unusual religious concern at Tolan, and something of it at Hebron and Bolton. There was also no small effusion of the Spirit of God in the North Parish in Preston, an eastern part of Connecticut, which I was informed of, and saw something of it, when I was the last autumn at the house, and in the congregation of Mr. Lord, a minister there, who with Mr. Owen of Groton, came up hither in May the last year on purpose to see the work of God here, and having heard various and contradictory accounts of it, were careful, when they were here, to inform and satisfy themselves, and to that end particularly converse with many of our people, which they declare to be entirely to their satisfaction, and that the one half had not been told them, nor could be told them. Mr. Lord told me that when he got home he informed his congregation of what he had seen and that they were greatly affected with it and that it proved the beginning of the same work among them which prevailed till there was a general awakening and many instances of persons who seemed to be remarkably converted. I also have lately heard that there has been something of the same work at Woodbury. This seems to have been a very extraordinary dispensation of providence. God has in many respects gone out of and much beyond his usual and ordinary way. The work in this town, and some others about us, has been extraordinary on account of the universality of it, affecting all sorts, sober and vicious, high and low, rich and poor, wise and unwise. It reached the most considerable families and persons to all appearance as much as others. In former stirrings of this nature, the bulk of the young people have been greatly affected, but old men and little children have been so now. Many of the last have, of their own accord, formed themselves into religious societies in different parts of the town. A loose, careless person could scarcely find a companion in the whole neighborhood. And if there was any one that seemed to remain senseless or unconcerned, it would be spoken of as a strange thing." This dispensation has also appeared very extraordinary in the numbers of those on whom we have reason to hope it has had a saving effect. We have had about 620 communicants, which includes almost all our adult persons. The church was very large before, but persons never thronged into it as they did in the late extraordinary time. Our sacraments are eight weeks asunder, and I received into our communion about an hundred before one sacrament and four score of them at one time, whose appearance when they presented themselves together to make an open explicit profession of Christianity was very affecting to the congregation. 
I took in near sixty before the next sacrament day, but it must be noted that it is not the custom here, as it is in many other churches in this country, to make a credible relation of their inward experiences a ground of admission to the Lord's Supper. I am far from pretending to be able to determine how many have lately been the subjects of such mercy, but if I may be allowed to declare anything that appears to me probable in a thing of this nature, I hope that more than three hundred souls were savingly brought home to Christ in this town in the space of half a year. How many more? I cannot say. And about the same number of males as females. Those of our young people that are on other accounts most considerable are mostly, as I hope, truly pious and leading persons in a way of religion. Those that were formerly looser young persons are generally, to all appearance, become true lovers of God and Christ and spiritual in their disposition. And I hope that by far the greater part of persons in this town above sixteen years of age are such as have the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and so by what I heard I suppose it is in some other places, particularly at Sunderland and South Hadley. This has also appeared to be a very extraordinary dispensation, and that the Spirit of God has so much extended, not only his awakening, but regenerating influences, both to elderly persons and also those that are very young. It has been a thing heretofore rarely to be heard of, that any were converted past middle age, but now we have the same ground to think that many such have in this time been changed, as that others have been so in more early years. I suppose there were upwards of fifty persons in this town, and above forty years of age, and more than twenty of them above fifty, and about ten of them above sixty, and two of them above seventy years of age. It has heretofore been looked on as a strange thing, when any have seemed to be savingly wrought upon, and remarkably changed in their childhood. But now, I suppose, near thirty were, to appearance, so wrought upon between ten and fourteen years of age, and two between nine and ten, and one of about four years of age. And because I suppose this last will be most difficultly believed, I will hereafter give a particular account of it. The influences of God's Spirit have also been very remarkable on children in some other places, particularly at Sunderland and South Hadley, and the west part of Suffield. There are several families in this town that are hopefully pious, Yet there are several numerous families in which I think we have reason to hope that all the children are truly godly, and most of them lately become so. And there are very few houses in the whole town into which salvation has not lately come in one or more instances. There are several Negroes that from what is seen in them then and what is discernible in them since appear to have been truly born again in the late remarkable season. God has also seemed to have gone out of his usual way in the quickness of his work, in the swift progress his spirit has made in his operations on the hearts of so many. And it is wonderful that persons should be so suddenly and yet so greatly changed. Many have been taken from a loose and careless way of living and seized with strong convictions of their guilt and misery. And in a very little time old things have passed away and all things have become new with them. God's work has also appeared very extraordinary in the degrees of the influences of a spirit, both in the degree of saving light and love and joy that many have experienced. It has also been very extraordinary in the extent of it, and its being so swiftly propagated from town to town. In former times of the pouring out of the Spirit of God in this town, though in some of them it was very remarkable, yet it reached no further than this town. The neighboring towns all around continued unmoved. The work of God's Spirit seemed to be at its greatest height in this town in the former part of the spring, in March and April. 
at which time God's work in the conversion of souls was carried on amongst us in so wonderful a manner, that so far as I, by looking back, can judge from the particular acquaintance I have had with souls in this work, it appears to me probable to have been at the rate, at least, of four persons in a day, or near thirty in a week, take one with another, for five or six weeks together. When God, in so remarkable a manner, took the work into his own hands, there was as much done in a day or two as at ordinary times with all endeavors that men can use, and with such a blessing as we commonly have, is done in a year. End quote. This is a Reverend Mr. Edwards' general account of the wonderful revival of religion, not only at Northampton, but also in other towns, both of the county of Hampshire and of Connecticut Colony, in the years 1734 through 36 to which we shall subjoin the following attestation and for particular instances of the powerful influence of the divine spirit refer those who desire to read them to that remarkable narrative to the reverend benjamin coleman d d pastor of a church in boston Westfield, October 11th, 1738. Sir, in your letter of August 19th, you inform us that the Reverend Dr. Watts and Dr. Guise desire that some other ministers, who are eye and ear witnesses to some of those numerous conversions in the other towns about Northampton, would attest unto what the Reverend Mr. Edwards has written of them. We take this opportunity to assure you that the account Mr. Edwards has given in his narrative of our several towns or parishes is true, and that much more of the like nature might have been added with respect to some of them. We are, Reverend Sir, your brethren and servants, William Williams, Ebenezer, Devotion, Stephen Williams, Peter Reynolds, Nehemiah Bull, and Samuel Hopkins. Section 2. From the Journals of George Whitfield, 1737 and 38. From London to Gibraltar, from Gibraltar to Savannah, Georgia, his return to London, the work of God there. Wednesday, December 28, 1737. After having continued instant in prayer with my friends and Mr. J. H.'s, and afterwards receiving the Holy Sacrament at St. Dunstan's, being recommended to the grace of God by a great number of weeping Christian brethren, at the Reverend Mr. H.'s I set out at night for Deptford. Saturday, December 31st. Began this morning to have public prayers on open deck at which the officer and soldiers attended with decency and reverence. After prayer I enlarged a little on those words of Paul, I am determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Gibraltar, Saturday, February 25th, 1738. About six this morning, went with friend H. to the church to pray with some devout soldiers who I heard used to meet there at that time. I found that their society had been subsisting about twelve years, and that one, Sergeant B., now amongst them, was a first beginner of it. At first they told me they used to meet in dens and mountains and caves in the rocks. But afterwards, upon their applying for leave to build a little place to retire in, Dr. C. and Governor S. gave them the free use of the church, where they constantly met three times in a day to pray, read, and sing psalms, and at any other season when they please. I conversed closely with several of them, and they made me quite ashamed of my little proficiency in the school of Christ. Many have joined with them for a time, but a servile fear of man, that bane of Christianity, made them draw back. However, some continue steadfast and immovable, and though despised by the world, are no doubt highly favored of God. 
Governor S. countenances them much and has spoken of them often to me with respect. There is also another society of the Scotch Church. It has subsisted about a year and is made up of many serious Christians, as I was informed. I sent them, as well as the other society, some proper books, had religious talk with several of them, and endeavored to unite both societies together. Tuesday, February 28th, was asked by Dr. C., in the name of the Governor and Colonel G., to preach every prayer day whilst I stayed at Gibraltar, which I promised to do. Many of the inhabitants pressed me to stay with them and were exceeding kind to those who were with me. Friday, March 3rd, I preached my sermon against swearing and made a farewell application to the soldiers that were going over to Georgia out of that garrison. The governor had that morning reviewed them, and as I could not be in the same ship with them, I desired that they might be ordered to come to church, that I might have an opportunity of telling them how to behave in that land which they were going over the sea to protect. The colonel and governor most readily consented. There was a most thronged audience, and God was pleased to set a seal to my sermon. Many officers and soldiers wept sorely, and a visible alteration was observed in the garrison for some days after. Oh, that their convictions may end in their conversion, and that they may bring forth the fruits of the Spirit. Monday, March 6th had near if not more than a hundred at morning exposition, and it being the last day of my sojourning at Gibraltar, many came to me weeping, telling me what God had done for their souls, desiring my prayers and promising me theirs in return. Who more unlikely to be wrought upon than soldiers, and yet God has made his power to be known. Many that were in gross darkness have been enlightened. Many that have fallen back have repented and turned unto the Lord again. Many that were ashamed to own Christ openly have waxed boldly, and many that were saints have had their hearts filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Sunday, March 26th. This day God, I trust, magnified his power in the conversion of a young gentleman on board, whom he has been pleased to visit with a fever. His convictions were strong, and as far as I could find, a thorough renovation began in his heart. The Lord perfect it. Exchanged some bad books that were on board, which I threw immediately into the sea, for some good ones. Blessed be God, all that I have found them with, as yet, have been ready to surrender them up. April 3rd. Had some further conversation with the young gentleman whose conversion I mentioned before, and who I hope has really quickened from above. He told me he used to wonder to hear me talk that all our thoughts, words, and actions ought to be dedicated to God, but now he perceived what I said to be true. April 8th. And now indeed we live more comfortably in the great cabin than can easily be imagined. We talk of little else but God and Christ. God has greatly blessed that excellent book, The Country Parson's Advice to His Parishioners. April 15th. I was called in a hurry to pray by one of the devout soldiers who came from Gibraltar and who was supposed to be expiring. I came and rejoiced in spirit, for his soul seemed full of God. Instead of being affrighted at the approach of the King of Terrors, he welcomed it and said he was going to his dear Redeemer. Then he fell, as it were, into a trance and poured out his heart in repeating some very applicable verses out of the Psalms, upon which we thought he would have died. But lo, God brought him from the nethermost hell. 
From that instant the fever left him, and he recovered. Oh, what difference is there between him that feareth God and him that feareth him not in their last hours? April 16th. This evening I was sent for by a sailor who has been the most remarkable swearer on board, and whom I, in an especial manner, warned about two days ago, but he laughed at it. But tonight he sent for me, trembling and burning with a fever, told me what grievous sins he had been guilty of, and prayed most fervently for repentance. Two or three of the same stamp have been taken in the same manner. God grant that they may flee from the wrath to come. April 18th. Several quals came upon us, which afforded me glorious manner for adoring that great good God whom winds and storms obey. The sailors were in great hurry and confusion, but not one single oath was heard all the while, a proof this, that sailors may pull their ropes without swearing, and that the words spoken to them have not altogether fallen to the ground. Blessed be God. Savannah, Friday, June 2nd. This evening, parted with kind Captain Whiting and my dear friend Delamote, who embarked for England about seven at night. The poor people lamented the loss of him, and went to the waterside to take a last farewell. And good reason had they to do so, for he has been so very indefatigable in feeding the lambs of Christ with the sincere milk of the word, and many of them, blessed be God, have grown thereby. Surely I must labor most heartily, since I come after such worthy predecessors. The good Mr. John Wesley has done in America under God is inexpressible. His name is very precious among the people, and he has laid such a foundation that I hope neither men nor devils will ever be able to shake. Tuesday, July 12th. Returned from Ebenezer, the place where the Salzburgers are settled, and was wonderfully pleased with their order and industry. They are blessed with two such pious ministers, as I have not often seen. They have no course of judicators, but all little differences are immediately and implicitly decided by their ministers, whom they look upon and love as their fathers. They have likewise an orphan house, in which are seventeen children and one widow, and I was much delighted to see the regularity wherewith it is managed. Oh, that God may stir up the hearts of his servants to contribute towards that and another which we hope to have erected at Savannah. Mr. Boltzius, one of their ministers, being with me on Saturday, I gave him some of my poor store for his orphans, and when I came to Ebenezer he called them all before him, catechized and exhorted them to give God thanks for his good providence towards them, then prayed with them, and made them pray after him, then sung a psalm, and afterwards the little lambs came and shook me by the hand one by one, and so we parted, and I scarce was ever better pleased in my life. Surely whoever contributes to the relief of the Salzburgers will perform an acceptable sacrifice to our blessed Master. Monday, August 28th. This being the day of my departure for England, it was mostly spent in taking leave of my flock who expressed their affection now more than ever, coming to me from the morning to the time I left them, with tears in their eyes, wishing me a prosperous voyage and safe return, and giving me things proper for my passage. Friday, December 8th, about noon I reached London, was received with much joy by my Christian friends, and joined with them in psalms and thanksgiving for my safe arrival. December 10th, here seems to be a great pouring out of the Spirit, and many who were awakened by my preaching a year ago are now grown strong men in Christ by the ministrations of my dear friend and fellow laborers, John and Charles Wesley. Blessed be God. Saturday, December 30th. Preached nine times this week and expounded near eighteen times. Blessed be God. I am employed from morning till midnight.
there's no end of people's coming and sending to me, and they seem more and more desirous, like newborn babes, to be fed with the sincere milk of the word. What a great work has been wrought in the hearts of many within this twelve month. 1739, Whitfield preaches at Newgate to the Colliers of Kingswood of Mr. Griffith Jones. Letter from John Wesley, Howell Harris, and so on. London, January 3rd. Stayed at home on purpose to receive those who wanted to consult me. Blessed be God, from seven in the morning till three in the afternoon, people came, some telling me what God had done for their souls, and others crying out, What shall we do to be saved? Being obliged to go out after this, I referred several till Thursday. How does God work by my unworthy hands? His mercies melt me down. Oh, that I was thankful. Windsor. February 8th. I find much service might be done to religion on journeys if we had but courage to show ourselves Christians in all places. Others sing songs in public houses. Why should not we sing psalms? And when we give the servants money, why may we not with that give them a little book and some good advice? I know by experience it is very beneficial. God grant that this would always be my practice. Friday. February 16th, begun this morning to settle a daily exposition and reading prayers to the prisoners in Newgate. I opened it by enlarging on the conversion of the jailer. Saturday, February 17th, about one in the afternoon, I went with my brother Seward and another friend at Kingswood and was most delightfully entertained by an old disciple of the Lord. My bowels yearned toward the poor colliers who, as far as I can find, are very numerous, and yet are a sheep having no mount. And spake to as many people as came unto me. They were upwards of two hundred. Blessed be God that I have now broke the ice. I believe I never was more acceptable to my master than when I was standing to teach those ears in the open fields. Amongst the letters I received from religious correspondents, one writes thus, we had such a remarkable and sensible presence of God with us at Beach Lane this evening, as my eyes and ears were never witnesses of before. In the midst of Mr. J. Wesley's exposition, a woman present had such convictions of her lost estate by nature, and such a sense of sin, that she could not forbear crying out aloud, upon which her, Mr. Wesley, breaking off, went to her, who earnestly desired him to pray for her, which he did in the presence of two or three hundred people, hardly one of whom, I think, could forbear tears, upon which she had comfort. Thursday, February 22nd. I went with some Christian friends to Bath, where I was much comforted by meeting with several that love our Lord Jesus in sincerity. More especially, I was edified by the pious conversation of the Reverend Mr. Griffith Jones, whom I have desired to see of a long season. His words came with power, and the account he gave me of the many obstructions he met with in his ministry convinced me that I was but a young soldier just entering the field. Thursday, March 1st. Amongst my other letters, I received the following one from the Reverend Mr. John Wesley, part of which is February 20th. My dear brother, our Lord's hand is not shortened amongst us. Yesterday I preached at St. Catherine's and at Islington. I think I never was so much strengthened before. About 300 were present at Mr. S.'s. Thence I went to Mr. B.'s, where also we wanted room. Today I expound in the minorities at four at Mrs. W.'s, at six 
and to a large company of poor sinners in Gravel Lane, Bishopgate, at eight. The society at Mr. Grouch's does not meet till eight, so that I expound before I go to him near St. James Square. On Wednesday at six, we have a noble company of women not adorned with gold or costly apparel, but with a meek and quiet spirit and good works. At the Savoy on Thursday evening, we have usually two or three hundred, most of them at least thoroughly awakened. Mr. A.'s parlor is more than filled on Friday, as is Mr. P.'s room twice over. On Saturday, we've seen night a middle-aged, well-dressed woman at Beach Lane, where I expound usually to five or six hundred before I go to Mr. E.'s society, was seized, as it appeared to several about her, with little less than the agonies of death. We prayed that God, who had brought her to the birth, would give her strength to bring forth. Five days she was in bondage. On Thursday evening, our Lord got himself to victory, and from that moment she has been full of love and joy, which he openly declared on Saturday last, so that thanksgivings were given to God by many on her account. The following paragraph was likewise in a letter I received from my dear brother Kinchin of Oxen. God has greatly blessed us at Oxford of late. We have reason to think that four within this fortnight have been born of God. The people crowd to the societies on Sunday nights, several gownsmen amongst the rest. God has much assisted me. Last night we had a throng society and about forty gownsmen. Cardiff, March 8th. I was much refreshed with the sight of my dear brother Howell Harris, whom though I knew not in person, I have long since loved in the bowels of Jesus Christ, and have often felt my soul drawn out in prayer on his behalf. A burning and a shiny light has he been in those parts, a barrier against profaneness and immorality, and an indefatigable promoter of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. For four years God has inclined him to go about doing good, he is now about twenty-five years of age. Twice he has applied, being every way qualified for holy orders, but was refused under a false pretense that he was not of age, though he was then twenty-two years and six months. About a month ago he offered himself again, but was put off. Upon this he was and is still resolved to go on in his work, an indefatigable zeal has he shown in his master's service. For these three years he has discoursed almost twice every day for three or four hours together, not authoritatively as a minister, but as a private person exhorting his Christian brethren. He has been, I think, in seven counties, and has made it his business to go to wakes and so on to turn people from such lying vanities. Many alehouse people, fiddlers, harpers, and so on, sadly cry out against him for spoiling their business. He has been threatened with public prosecution, and has had constables sent to apprehend him. But God has blessed him with an inflexible courage. He is of a most Catholic spirit, loves all that love our Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore he is styled by bigots, a dissenter. He is contemned by all that are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. But God has greatly blessed his pious endeavors. Many own him as their spiritual father, and I believe would lay down their lives for his sake. He discourses generally in a field, but at other times in a house, from a wall, a table, or anything else. He has established near thirty societies in South Wales, and still his sphere of action is enlarged daily. After I had saluted him and given him an exhortation to a great number who followed me to the inn, we spent the remainder of the evening in taking sweet counsel together and telling one another what God has done for our souls. We also took an account of the several societies and agreed on such measures as seemed most conducive to promote the common interest of our Lord. 
Blessed be God, there seems to be a noble spirit gone out into wells. There have been many burning and shining lights both among the dissenting and church ministers amongst whom Mr. Griffith Jones shines in particular. No less than fifty chariot schools have been erected by his means without any settled visible fund and fresh ones are setting up every day. People make nothing of coming twenty miles to hear a sermon and great numbers there are who have not only been hearers but doers also of the word so that there is a most comfortable prospect of the spreading of the gospel in Wales. Bath, March 12th. Received news of the progress of the gospel in Yorkshire under the ministry of my dear brother Ingham. Kynsham, Thursday, March 22nd. Received a letter which brought me word of the flourishing of the gospel at Oxford, and many gracious souls come to me to consult me in spiritual cases, and could not but rejoice to see how secretly and irresistibly the kingdom of Jesus Christ is carried on in spite of all opposition. Wednesday, March 28th, had the pleasure of hearing that above an hundred people set apart a day for prayer in behalf of me and my dear brother Howell Harris, and so on. Thursday, March 29th. Blessed be God, I hope a good work has begun today. Having had several notices that the colliers of Kingswood were willing to subscribe, I collected above 20 pounds in money and got above 40 pounds in subscriptions toward building a maturity school. It was surprising to see with what cheerfulness they parted with their money on this occasion. Was I to continue here, I would endeavor to settle schools all over the wood, as also in other places as Mr. Griffith Jones has done in Wells, but I have just time to set it on foot. I hope God will bless the ministry of my honored friend Mr. John Wesley and enable him to bring it to good effect. It is a pity so many little ones as there are in Kingswood should perish for lack of knowledge. Stir up thy power, O Lord, and come amongst them for the sake of Jesus Christ.